0: Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a show dedicated to helping you escape diet culture, gain trust with food, honor your body, and live a brighter life. Hello and welcome to episode two of The Kitchen Table. And in this episode, I'll be talking about my relationship with food growing up and how I came to be the anti-diet registered dietitian that I am today. And why I'm talking about my relationship with food growing up is because I need to make it known that I had a very poor relationship with food which gives me merit when I talk about what a healthy relationship with food looks like, (laughs) right? Because I know what a poor relationship with food looks like and how it impacted so many areas of my life. And I'm here today sharing part of my story with you because I need to have you see how it impacted not only me and my physical health and my mental and emotional health as well, but also my relationships, also like my work and school life and other areas of my life that it impacted as well. So this show is, uh, and me sharing my story, it's not to create sympathy. I don't need sympathy. I'm not here to create like victim energy for myself. (laughs) I don't really feel victimized by my experience. Rather, this show is here to create resonance. Maybe you've thought or felt some of the same feelings um, or had the same thoughts that I had when I had a poor relationship with food. Maybe you've had um, similar experiences I had. And maybe you can grasp onto this message of hope that I have, that there are there is a way out of that poor relationship with food and there's another way to eat and there's another way to live. And so that's why I'm sharing this message with you so you can know like that I know what a poor relationship with food looks like and how it drives the work that I do today and the anti-diet realm as I help people hear their relationships with food and their bodies. So as I start from like the beginning, like the way beginning, um, it's worth noting that I grew up with three other sisters, my older sister Maria and my two younger sisters, Olivia and Julia, who I love so much. They're like my closest friends still today. And we joke that we grew up on a lot of convenience foods. Uh, we ate a lot of like macaroni and cheese and kielbasa or ring bologna. Um, that was like my dad's favorite. We also did these like potato – pre-made potatoes pre-made whipped potatoes and like a carton that you just stick into the oven. We ate those all the time with like chicken or pork chops. Um, And we relied somewhat on those convenience foods because both my parents worked and we lived kind of on the outskirts of town growing up at the time. And so um, getting food on the table needed to be quick. And I didn't really think about it growing up really. The earliest thoughts that I have um, that were really prevalent for me that I'm like no, distinctly were more like body image thoughts um, that came around the fourth grade. Uh, there are two things that I remember totally in the fourth grade as like body image started to become a thing for me. And one of the things was I remember liking a boy named Ashton. And whenever Ashton walked by, I like sucked in my stomach because I wanted to like look thin for Ashton because I wanted to, like, look pretty, which meant looking thin. Even in the fourth grade, I received that message. I, like, tucked in my skirt and, like, looked in the mirror and made sure that, like, I looked presentable for Ashton because I liked a boy for, like, probably the first time, probably Ashton in the fourth grade. I remember at the same time asking my mom, like, to do my hair, like, perfectly in, like, two perfect little buns so you can imagine me, like, in the fourth grade at Catholic school, plaid skirt, white shirt, tucked in, two buns you know, looking pretty for Ashton every day, like that totally mattered. Another thing is I remember my parents telling me a story about like wanting to go to Bay Beach, which is a local amusement park, and everyone else was waiting in the car, my parents and my sisters, and they were waiting in the car for me because I was trying on everything in my closet and I was just not satisfied (laughs) with any of the clothes in my closet. I just did not know what to wear. (laughs) And so um, I was trying on everything in my closet and I would just like was in tears. I just like remember this vividly of just like being in tears after trying on everything in my closet and just being totally dissatisfied with the clothes and with my body. So I remember like in fourth grade, that was an issue for me and that was persistent all the way up through high school. But something interesting started happening after I started um, like the menstrual cycle, after I was like a teenager in high school, something started to shift with me. I started getting really tired. I – we were all figure skaters, my sisters and I, and I started like not being able to make it through my programs. I started not focusing in school as much anymore. My attention span was just down. I started to get kind of like daisy, um, like kind of like in a haze um, and – my attention span was down, my focus was down. Um, and my parents made moves, m- made comments about my mood um, saying that I was, you know, depressed or, you know, like asking me if I was moody or asking me if I was depressed. I was spending more time by myself. And and I started to think that something was really wrong with me. So I went to the doctor um, and I remember I went to the doctor and I was considered overweight. And that was a big thing for me. At the time, I went to just my normal physician who told me my BMI was high and that I was anemic and that I needed to eat more iron-rich foods, which I did. I started to eat eat more red meat. But at the same time, I was told by my BMI as a 14-year-old that I was overweight. And I remember being particularly sensitive to that word at that time, thinking that I was an athlete, thinking that... um you know like now my weight is a bad thing that i need to control and so that was the first thing that i, I really recognized at that time was um that i was overweight um And I needed to eat more things like red meat. So that was kind of conflicting evidence for me at the – conflicting recommendations, I should say, at that time after meeting with that doctor. And still feeling – like I was still kind of sick, still feeling. Now I was having like hair loss, immense fatigue, um, more mood swings, kind of like still not focusing at school. Still years later, after those recommendations, I started seeking other things out. Um, I was put on the blood type diet by um, a – natural health care, natural health worker at a natural health store who put me on the blood type diet and prescribed me, uh, not prescribed, but uh, recommended all of these foods that I should be eating according to the blood type diet. I remember trying on diets, trying on different things during this time as like a teenager and through my high school years, thinking that there's something out there that could fix me. I wanted a diet for the first time to fix me. I wanted the blood type diet to fix me. I wanted, um, you know, a a medication to fix me, I wanted a diagnosis to fix me because I was told by my family and I was experiencing myself that I kind of like wasn't myself during the time. And um, looking back that, that did seem true that like, yes, I, I really was looking for something to fix me. And I did turn to food as that thing. And finally, like three or four years later, as I was just getting ready to graduate from high school, I was finally diagnosed with celiac disease. And I thought, finally, this is going to fix me. This not only is going to solve my hair loss and my fatigue and uh, my moodiness, but this is also gonna solve my overweightness. So I felt like this diagnosis was like the thing that I needed to finally emerge into like this different version of myself just before college. And it was true that I like immediately felt better um, on the gluten-free diet. So for those who aren't aware, I should just recap that like once I was diagnosed with celiac disease, the only treatment for celiac disease is the gluten-free diet. This is the complete emission from gluten from the diet. Gluten is primarily wheat, oats, rye, barley, spelt, triticale. There's a long list of foods that contain gluten, and it's the emission from those in the diet. They're very prevalent in a lot of processed foods and a lot of natural foods as well. And so it took a lot of research and understanding on how to live and be gluten-free, but I want I wanted to do it um, to help me feel better as I knew this was the only treatment for celiac disease. And also I had this hidden agenda of also weight loss that I really didn't articulate to anybody at the time. But having been told I was underweight... having been told I was overweight previously and having like, you know, comparison happen in high school and like realizing that like thinness was praised, I totally caught on to that dieting message of like thinner is better. And I was hoping that the celiac disease diagnosed me was finally gonna be the thing that fixes me mentally, physically, emotionally, and changes my weight to be smaller before college. And this was detrimental for me. This was detrimental for me. Um, being diagnosed with celiac disease just before college um, was harmful because I wasn't able to eat in the cafeteria with the other kids. I wasn't able um, to like share in that food experience with them. I was eating meals alone by myself. I was making them and, and eating them by myself um, in like a little kitchenette within the dorms. And it was really isolating. It was really isolating for me to make meals that way and I really felt like I was missing out on that piece of like eating and talking with my friends. And this, that isolation is a huge point because I started not focusing as much on eating well. I focused more on restricting more. I thought, okay, if, if celiac disease was the thing that granted me this gluten-free diet and omitting gluten from my diet was good, maybe omitting other things from my diet is going to be better. So this was my mentality. I started omitting more things. First, it was gluten per the recommendation for having celiac disease. Then it was Alicia's now cutting out meat from the diet. Now I was trying to fuse like a vegan diet with gluten-free. Then I started omitting, um, you know, other things like along with vegan, which is like eggs and dairy. And all of a sudden in my sophomore year of high school, I realized I only had a very small list of foods that I would allow myself to eat. And these were very like low calorie, low energy foods. Um, And I engaged in such weird food behaviors at the time. And I was very self-absorbed. I would spend a lot of time thinking about what I was going to eat and a very short amount of time actually preparing meals and eating um, because I was by myself, because I was so controlling of that food situation. And this impacted so many areas of my life. This impacted my friends. I started losing friends. I lost good friends during this time. I was so self-absorbed. I was so obsessive with my own um, food and my own behaviors during the time that I definitely lost friends. And I stopped showing up to school. I stopped showing up to school and going to class and being involved and doing homework. My grades started dropping, sophomore year in high school and uh, sophomore year in college. And thirdly, my health, like my physical health, my weight dropped immensely. It was scary. And that was like just shown on a physical level. And mentally and emotionally, I was gone. I was just like numb to the world. You could see it on my face and in my body. And I just was not the bright light that I once was, that I knew that I – that I know that I am. I just wasn't that person. And my roommate was the closest person who saw it that said like, Alicia, like you really – like, I'm here for you. Do you need help? What can I do for you? And I had everyone fooled as best I could that like, I had everything under control. I had my family fooled. I had most of my friends fooled that like, I'm a nutrition student and I know exactly what I'm doing. I was spending like an hour in the gym every day. I was a kickboxing instructor on campus until I was told by somebody else that it wasn't a good role model for women on campus. Yes, that is striking a chord with me right now, even as I'm talking about it. So at one point I was a kickboxing instructor um, and then I was told that maybe I should step down from that, which I did. Uh, but I continued to overexercise. I continued to undereat, and I had everyone fooled that I knew exactly what I was doing to live a healthy lifestyle. I told everyone, I'm a nutrition student. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly what I should be eating, right? And I'm healthy, and to be healthy, you, you move every day. So I'm moving every day. But this was extreme. I had everyone fooled except my closest family, the nurse on campus, and my roommate, Lindsay. Lindsay is the one who finally contacted my parents and said, look, Alicia was just at the doctor's office where they said that she had a low heart rate. You should come and pick her up. She's got to be done. And that's when my parents did that. I did have that doctor's visit because I had a rash on campus that led me to go to the doctor. And at that point, that raised a red flag. I made a mention to um, my roommate about that, and she called my parents. And in the middle of sophomore year, actually just before spring break, my parents came – to college. I was in Minnesota. They drove to get me and drove me back, took me right to the doctor. I never went home. They took me right to the doctor who put me right into the hospital for immediate care. Um, And I stayed there for about a week until I was put into an inpatient facility for eating disorder treatment. I did not see this coming. And I was angry about it, but I let it happen because I didn't have the energy to do anything else. I was actually at a point where I was so underweight, I was so numb to the world that I just did whatever anyone really told me to. I wasn't able to like think critically, I wasn't able to like really express any emotion. The only emotion that I was able to like really express was just like resentment, anger, frustration, and um, a lot of like just judginess and perfectionism is really what, it all boiled onto at that time. And a lot of being just truly self-absorbed. And for those who really know me and know the person that I am, they know that I'm not any of those things truly. Uh, There are parts of me that are. um, I am not perfect. There are parts of me uh, that are judgy. There are parts of of me that do still have part of that perfectionist mentality. I'm not saying that I'm perfect now, but I'm saying the person that I was then is not a person that I am today. It's not a reflection of who I am today. Um, My relationship with food, my poor relationship with food totally changed the person that I was. And it totally changed my ability to show up in the world. And so my parents knew that I needed help. And they put me in that uh, treatment facility because they knew that they couldn't do it. Um, And they left me there. And while I was in treatment for an eating disorder while I thought of like all of my college friends that are like still in school and still going to class and still having a fun time. And I thought about my family and like what my family is doing. I just felt like life was passing by without me. And I, I hit this point that I call like diet bottom. Like I was in diet bottom. I hit this point where it was like I knew that the only way up The only way out of this situation in treatment for an eating disorder was to eat. I had a point where I like connected with God and God just said, Alicia, you've got to get out of here. You have a deeper purpose in life. You have a deeper purpose in life and you're not living it out and you can't live it out in here. And you have to get out and the only way out is to eat. And so I did. And I knew that like I had a light that needed and wanted to shine, but right now it was just like these little embers. And even though they were little embers, they were still there. There was still sparking within me. And when I ate and when I just committed to like saying, I I didn't resist it anymore. I just said, okay. I'm going to eat because I have to get out of here. And once I ate and started eating, it was like for the first time I was feeling emotions again. It was like for the first time I felt like every cell in my body come more alive. My brain felt like it was like the engine in my brain was starting to like rev up again. And I cried and cried and cried. and, And eating disorder treatment, not because I was sad, but because I was feeling for the first time that felt like years. And all of a sudden, all of these emotions started to come back. All of these thoughts started to come back. And when I was at an appropriate, pla- at, at an appropriate place to, to leave that eating disorder treatment facility and my parents came and got me, I remember spending the two hours back home from that treatment facility just like saying like, I'm sorry, mom and dad. I'm, I'm so sorry, for mom and dad, for what I put you through. Because for the first time, I could see the suffering that I caused my parents For the first time, I could see the suffering that it caused my sisters as they saw my weight decline, 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 and how they see me just become this person that they didn't know. And I apologized to my friends. I apologized to my roommate, who I said, I don't know when I'm going to see you again, but I'm really sorry for how things ended, you know? And I just wanted to start off at a new leaf. I just knew that my light was now brighter, and I had a new start into being this person that I knew that I wanted to be. And as my fire grew larger, I thought, okay, I need to protect myself from the things that caused me the suffering that I put myself through in my poor relationship with food. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to go back and be a nutrition student because it was definitely that ego, that facade of having it all together was totally bred in by my being a nutrition student. And to be honest, I don't know if I were... I don't know if I would be a registered dietitian today if I was not as food obsessed (laughs) during my college years. I don't know if I would be a registered dietitian today if I didn't allow food to absorb me, if I wasn't so like looking for the answers in nutrition school to how to manage myself and my weight and my health through nutrition school, I don't know if I'd be a registered dietitian today. And so I had like this re-discerning moment in my sophomore year of college of not really knowing if I wanted to be a dietitian or not. And I ended up meeting. I ended up staying back home and meeting um, with a professor who's now a dear friend of mine at UWGB. That just said, Alicia, like you're so welcome here. Here's our program. Here's what I have to offer. And I so gravitated towards her, and I so gravitated toward that program. And I said, look, I I know that I still want to do this. I still love all of these totally tremendous aspects of food that you know, like it can nourish us and can like have every cell in our body like feel alive and well again. And I just can't. Can't do it the same way that I did when I started off my freshman sophomore year of college after being diagnosed with celiac disease and so I graduated in 2014 um, from the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, where I graduated with a um, degree in human biology with an emphasis in nutrition science, and then I went on to Cedar Crest College to complete my dietetic internship from 2014 to 2015, and then in August of 2015 in Manhattan, actually right off of Wall Street, I, um, I passed the credentialing exam to become a registered dietitian. And gosh looking back on that whole journey it's just crazy to me it's just crazy to me how dark of a place that I was and how much I wanted to like brush all of that story under the rug I was not ready to share this with you three years ago I was n- I've been a dietitian for five years I was not ready to share this story with you a bit ago I have brushed the story under the rug because I felt like I wanted just everyone again, like this ego just came out. I wanted everyone to know that like, I'm good with food. I'm credible, I'm knowledgeable. I want you to see a lot, like all of the expansive parts of myself because all of that really hard stuff, I felt like discredited me. I felt like, okay, like nobody can see that part of me because like that was really ugly, that was really bad, I really had it all wrong, brush it under the rug. No, like now it's just like, I need you to see those shadowy bits of myself today. I need you to see like how that poor relationship with food and how I overexercised and underate my my way into disordered eating. I need you to see how my life was so impacted by the chronic restriction. I need you to see that so you can see what I'm saying now when I mean like what a healthy relationship with food can look like because I've been in that place of like what a very unhealthy relationship with food can look like. And so right now, as you're listening to this, like zero out in your life, like zoom out and look at from a bird's eye view, look at your life and see how is my relationship with food right now impacting my health physically, mentally, and emotionally, my wealth, my ability to create money, my job, And my relationships. I'm taking this from Casey Berglund's Purpose Triangle, which is a triangle that encompasses each of these three areas, and it really can give you a perspective on your life when you're just thinking about it in three realms. Everything we do impacts all of these three areas of our life, our health, our wealth, and our relationships. And for me, when I was in the thick of disordered eating and restriction, and when I was diagnosed with anorexia and there was definitely an orthorexic component in there, it impacted my health so immensely. My mental health, my physical health, and my emotional health to the point where I was the epitome of unhealthy as I was striving toward better health. What a paradox. And I know I'm not alone in that paradox of striving to be so healthy that we become unhealthy. That's a huge topic to discuss. And, and that's, that was so prevalent in my direct experience on having a poor relationship with food. And my striving for better health, my facade of health, was really unhealthy. How did it affect my relationships? Gosh, I put my parents through the ringer. <laughs> I lost friends, I put my friends and my sisters through the ringer. Having a poor relationship with food, I isolated myself. And I did it on purpose so I could control my life and control my food and my exercise. And how did it relate, affect my ability to create wealth? Well, I was a student at the time and I wasn't showing up for class. And I really wasn't showing up at all in any of these three realms. I wasn't showing up for the people that I loved in my life. I wasn't showing up for myself and my health. And I wasn't showing up for like my greater purpose, my calling in life. My fire was so dim. My fire was so dim that I did not know how to make it bright again because it was so buried under all of my food and body stuff. So as you zoom out and look at a bird's eye view of your life right now in terms of your health and your wealth and your relationships, is your relationship with food enhancing those areas of your life? Is your relationship with food enhancing your health, enhancing your wealth, enhancing your relationships? Or is it taking away from that? Is it taking away from your health, truly, if you look deeper, if you looked closer at your, li- your relationship with food, is it making you healthier, healthier, mentally, physically, or emotionally? Or is it making you unhealthier, physically, mentally, or emotionally? Is your relationship with food taking away from your actual relationships in life? Are you not going to social events? Are you not connecting with other people? Are you feeling like you're isolating or like withdrawing yourself from situations where there's food, especially? I've been there. I hear you. I see you in that. And thirdly, is your relationship with food impacting your work life in any way? Is it distracting from like what you're there and meant to be doing at your work? Um, Are you spending a lot of time during your workday thinking about what you're going to be eating next or thinking about the amount of food that you're eating or spending so much time like pre-packing your food so you're not like tempted to eat other foods in the office? Like I've been there and I see you in that as well. So like taking that snapshot of your life right now in those three areas, your health, your wealth, and your relationships can give you a little bit of perspective on what your relationship with food looks like right now and maybe what you can do to enhance your relationship with food. And the last thing that I want to say is that you feel like, if if you feel like your fire right now is really dim, if you feel like you just have those embers, that little spark, lean into that spark. See your best, your your, your best version of yourself through that little spark and do the work of sifting through all of your, what I call food and body stuff, all of your anxieties, all of your tensions, all your frustrations when it comes to your relationships with food and your body. Once you uncover all of that, that fire then, your true, your authentic self underneath all of that food and body stuff, it can burn brighter again. And you can live a very full and purposeful and bright life underneath all of the conditioning from diet culture, all of the rules that you've been taught on how you should eat or how you should look, underneath all of that is your true self, and that's where you're meant to shine. That's what feeds the work that I'm doing today because I had years, and I'm still uncovering food and body stuff to reconnect with who I am. Having a poor relationship with food can disconnect us from our bodies, disconnect us from ourselves, who we are, and what we're meant to be doing in this life it can make us play really small. And we do that so we can control our life most times, or that's how it was for me in my direct experience. Once we uncover all of who we are underneath all of that food and body stuff, once we tap into the core of who we are and why we're here, we can fully show up in the world because that food and body stuff doesn't keep us small anymore. We can live bigger, bolder, brighter, in this life. And that's what this show is for. It's here to help us get out of that dieting mentality, to reject the dieting restrictive mentality and more embrace the way of intuitive eating that says, you know, that fire, that little ember inside of you knows how to eat. You know how to nourish yourself with gentle nutrition practices and with leaning in to what, when, and how much to eat by letting your body guide you to making those food choices, not having a diet tell you what to eat, but to rediscovering your body sensations and how it innately, intuitively knows how to eat. That's the freedom. That's the freedom that enhances our health, and I've seen it through myself and through my clients that I've worked with. That it enhances more than health; it enhances their relationships. It enhances their work lives as well, and it helps them live their purpose in the world. So rejecting the dieting mentality and making a bridge to the intuitive eating paradigm that helps you reconnect with yourself, that's why this show is here. That is why I get up in the morning. That's why I'm doing what I do as my work as an anti-diet dietitian today, to help people heal their relationships with food and heal their relationship with their bodies so that they can live a brighter life. And so that those embers can turn into that bright fire of who they are and how they're meant to show up in the world. Thank you for listening to this episode. (laughs) This has been really healing to share with you today. I didn't really expect to feel all the emotions that I felt as I'm recording this episode. And I just want to thank you for your time. And if this really resonated with you. If you yourself are feeling like you're in a place of where I was having a poor relationship with food and you want a way out and you're looking for more information about intuitive eating, just send me a DM on my Instagram. You can find me at alishabrown.rdn on Instagram. And if you think that more people need to hear this message, if you think that more people need to know really about like what a poor relationship with food looks like and how it impacts other areas of their life, and they're looking for some hope and they're looking for a way out share this episode. Take a screenshot of this episode on your phone right now and post it on your stories on Instagram. You can tag me, again, at alishabrown.rdn. And you can share this message and you can spread this light um, to spread more impact, to help other people understand that they're not alone in this. Because the truth is, you're not alone in food and body struggles. You're not alone and even your deepest, darkest, ugliest food and body struggles. We've been there with you, so many of us. I'm speaking on behalf of myself and others that I know that have really struggled with their relationship with food and their body and exercise and beyond. Um, So you're not alone. So thank you for sending me a DM or for sharing this message on Instagram. And in the next episode, on episode three of The Kitchen Table, I will be talking more about how I transitioned my business um, from the dieting paradigm to the intuitive eating paradigm. Yes, after all of this, after I healed my relationship with food, I got hit with another way that I needed to transform myself and my business, again, from the dieting paradigm into the intuitive eating paradigm. And I'll be talking about that in my next episode as I fell back into diet culture and how I needed to rework my business systems to become um, truly an intuitive eating business and way of life that was just congruent with who I am and how I'm here to serve. And so join me for episode three, which is the next episode. And if you have any questions, just send me a DM. Otherwise, we will connect in the next episode. Have a nice day.